Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Baron. I'm one of the um, pastors here. Wasn't that a great idea to have um, the men serve the, the ladies in that way? Great idea. Not so good logistics. It had male organization written all over it, perhaps. We might have to think that through a little bit, but a great idea. Um, very enjoyable. Uh, today is Mothering Sunday. Fellas, there's a very good Tesco in Northfields if what I've said is news to you. <laughs> Not very far away. You can recover the situation just. It's a day set aside, isn't it, for special meaning. We have quite a few during the year. where We, we do sort of love this commemorative attitude to things. It's fine. I, I love it too. Um, it's good for the greetings card industry, if nothing else. But it's also a way of elevating something to the top of the pile in a very complex and busy lifestyle so that it does get a share of voice, you know, a time for us to consider a little bit more deeply about what's going on uh, in, in a particular area. And on this occasion, it's mothers. The idea of being a mother, the role of motherhood, what does that mean? What do we think about it? What does God say about it? The danger is, of course, is that you can slip back into it, um, into the sort of take-for-granted attitude rather quickly as well. That's, that's the, the problem with setting aside a special day, is it can subconsciously make it feel like that's the day you think about it and never again. So I would like to look at it in a little bit more depth for a quarter of an hour or so and see how we can embed the sort of celebration of the idea of motherhood into our minds so that it outlasts today, maybe as far as Tuesday tea time, who knows, uh, maybe a bit longer. Two things really that sum up everything I want to say. God says mothers are mothers because of something I have put inside them. They reflect a part of my being that is not reflected anywhere else. There's a uniqueness about it. It's not better, it's just a unique aspect of human life. And secondly, if you want to know me, says God, look at your idea of motherhood. It's something that reflects part of how I am. So when we look at mums and, and the, on the role of mums, we see something of God. And when we look at them, when we look at um, God, we see something of motherhood as well. It's like a two-way mirror. And this talk is not just for mums, it's for everyone. It's a, just a celebration of the idea, so everyone gets to play. Um, there always has to be a caveat with these things. I'm, I'm very conscious that when you uh, elevate and focus on one thing, um, that there are people excluded from that exercise, or can feel excluded. You can ride roughshod over sensitivities. If I inadvertently do that, please forgive me. It's not my intention. Um, I know that not everyone has a great experience of motherhood. So the same is true of fatherhood, of course, as well. The two things go together. Maybe, um, maybe you've recently lost your mother, or maybe you're alienated uh, from your mother. Maybe that relationship is not a, a good analogy for you. I hope that, however, won't prevent us just celebrating the idea. I hope that we can maybe transcend those concerns and hold them uh, sensitively to one side 
whilst we look at this idea. And of course there are um, different aspects to this. That in, Inevitably we will focus on our birth mothers. That's the first and most obvious uh, picture. But some people have adoptive mothers, of course, um, who are every bit as special to them in their lives. And they also have the input in their lives of foster mothers or even these cherished mother figures that when I was a kid we always used to refer to by the name auntie something, even though they weren't the sister of my dad or my... They always got called auntie so-and-so. And they played a motherhood role as well, a kind of a, an input that was very, very similar um, and um, no doubt reflected their, their innate intuition as well and their love of children generally. People are loved and cared for them outside the context of biological motherhood. And let me save you the trouble of saying about what I'm about to say, yes, but that's true of dads as well. I know it is, but today's Mother's Day. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I want to avoid um, mere gooey sentimentality. Those of you who know me know that I avoid that with the greatest of ease most of the time. But I think this needs to be more than just saying, thanks for all you do and what's for tea. You know, I think this is a little bit more important than that. I want to avoid also um, the over-idealism of saying you need to be one, otherwise you're not really fulfilling your role. That's an ancient medieval idea, which I hope we've outgrown uh, and, and accept that motherhood is a role that everyone can play. At really, 1 Timothy 5 verse 1 says, treat, he refer, Paul refers to older women here, but he says, treat older women as mothers, give them the same honor. And I would extend that to everyone who participates in the church family. If you think of us as a body of people who are bound together as brothers and sisters, I think all you, all you women are mothers in that sense. And then the third danger is to try and avoid this over-idealism of what it means to be a mum and make the job totally impossible. So that you're lay, you know, uh, burdened with this expectation of performance, which means, gosh, I don't live up to that. I could never live up to that. All these other women obviously do. I must, I must be a failure. It's, it's, a, it's a very modern way of thinking, I think, where we look at the, the idealism presented in various media and feel guilty and feel failures. I think it's a problem uh, in all sorts of, of areas. So Mothering Sunday, I think, is a celebration of role. It's, uh, it's something to be joyful about, see something of God in the way our mums fulfill their role as mums, And that should make us thankful. And the idea of thanks is in itself, I think, a very worshipful thing, something that pleases God. And and in order to thank, we need to remember and call to mind. How high should we elevate this esteemed role, which only 50% of us are ever, maximum, going to be honoured with with, uh, fulfilling? Well, if you read Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21, it says, Refusing to listen to the voice of the father or obey the mother was a capital offense. You were taken outside the camp and stoned, which um, I think is a bit harsh. But, um, <laughs> but makes the point that enshrined in the very fabric of society that God gave to his people 
was that this is an esteemed role, and I'm sure it had something to do with building the very fabric of society and how it was supposed to function. And um, I hope it was just a kind of temporary thing that just referred to their, their odyssey, you know, their exodus journey, and that was almost like a martial law um, requirement, isn't it? Because I, I, I would not be here today if that was fulfilled to the letter. Um, Proverbs 30, verse 17, in, in I hopefully picture language, says this, The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Which again, I think, is a little bit over the top. But, just gives you this picture of how high the role of parenthood, and especially motherhood, was held. And I somehow think, I don't know, but in that society, they would never have had a Mother's Day because they would not need to elevate it in that way. It was hardwired to the way that they thought. And honouring women in this way um, would have been natural. Now, the rest of society at that time probably needed a bit of work in terms of the equality of the sexes. But motherhood was esteemed and honoured. The final um, example here is that Jesus honoured his mother. And he did so at the most incredible time in his life. Hanging on a cross having his clothing gambled for by soldiers just off to one side, he looks down and he sees his mum standing with John, the disciple. And he says, Mum, this is your new son. John, look after my mum. Now, central to everything we believe as Christians is the cross. We believe that the cross and what happened on the cross, what we're going to shortly celebrate in in, in a few weeks time saves mankind projects creation into a new possibility does things on a cosmic level that I haven't got time to even refer to let alone explain for Jesus to think of his mum at that time to fulfill all the Old Testament injunctions about honouring motherhood at that moment I think he could have been forgiven for being a bit distracted but he wasn't. And he, he made sure that his widowed and now um, bereaved mother is looked after by a cherished friend. And that says something about Jesus, but it also says something about motherhood and how Jesus saw it. So I just want to look at a few references in Isaiah, actually, which is where the reading came from, about this metaphor of motherhood and how highly it speaks to us of God and how how highly we should therefore regard it. A metaphor, a picture, is a comparison used by writers, speakers, by prophets to proclaim a message, picking up certain aspects of human life that reflect what God is like. God is not made in our image, but we can see things in us that reflect what he is like. We need to be careful not to take that too far. God is neither male nor female. When it, in Genesis it says, I, w- I will make man in my own image, male and female. So there are different aspects of God reflected by the different genders. But motherhood appears far more frequently than perhaps you realize. It was Jesus that really brought the idea of fatherhood, Father God, Abba, Father, 
into common parlance. It, well, that was a radical move then. Before that, God was just referred to as God. But actually, if you look into the Old Testament text, you find a lot of comparisons with the role of a mother. In Isaiah 42, 14, it says, God is saying through the prophet, I have held my peace for a long time. I have kept still and restrained myself. But now I will cry out like a woman in labor. In Isaiah 49, it says, The people are saying, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. But I say, can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb, meaning Israel? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. And then in the passage we read, it says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. For I quickly just look at the job description of being a mum, And how it speaks to us of motherhood and of God. Three phases. Childbearing, childrearing and child departure. You know that point where you project your child into the world. First of all childbearing. Which um, speaks to me of that Isaiah 42 reference. Where it says, God says, I will cry out like a woman in labor. And describes how God shares our pain and knows what it's like to, have a, um, to give birth to something that you know is going to, at times, rebel against you and hurt you. This honor of bearing children, um, which is, as I say, not given to all of us, 50% max and less than that, is something that is esteemed in the Bible. Psalm 127 says, Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. But there's always a balance in the scriptures, isn't there? And and Psalm 113 says, God makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother. So this is is supposed to be an honor and a blessing that is shared amongst us, that we are to invite others to participate in. But it's still a unique thing, something that is to be honored. To be a mother... It's also true of fatherhood a bit, but I think especially true of mother is the best antidote to selfishness I can ever think of. You know, to give birth to a child and have the responsibility of bringing it through infancy and small childhood and into adulthood brings out every other regarding instinct in you. Makes you thoroughly unselfish, devoted to something else that is not you. And because of the unique bond of giving birth to a child, I can only imagine it. I've witnessed it three times, and I just can only go there and wonder what that must be like. And I think the verses that refer to this, even that weird one in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, where it says women will be saved through childbirth. I don't know what that means. It's the weirdest verse in the Bible I've ever read. But it does say there's something about this which is special, which God honors, and which we should honor too. Secondly, child rearing, the raising of a new person, the creation, in a sense, of the next generation of contributor and leader of the nation. God chooses the metaphor of motherhood as a picture of his faithfulness. And therefore compares his faithfulness to that of a mother. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion 
for the child of her womb. God says, when you want to see a picture of how I am, consider how a mother devotes herself to a child through every up and down of life. This is not gooey sentimentality at all. This is the most gritty, real picture of what life is really like. The mother has to be available to meet the needs of children. She has to have a servant heart, um, a caretaker mentality, um, endless love, the ability to instruct, not just talk to children, but walk with them. You know, that accompanying teaching that you see, um, which, which requires so much patience. Not just feed and clothe and transport, but emotional support and relationship. Literally building a person or enabling that person to become what they are and can be. That's probably a better way of putting it. And I remember very vividly the input that my mum had to me. My values, everything, fundamentally the way I think comes so much, not solely, but so much from what what she said. I I remember having a piece of litter and, and had nowhere to put it. Why do you remember these things? It's so weird, isn't it? A piece of litter in my hand, and I said, can I throw this away? This isn't really going to make much difference, is it? And it wouldn't have. And she just said to me, the one thing you've always got to ask yourself is, what if everybody did that? And that principle has never left me. So I will never break a rule. Well, I'll say never. I try not to break a rule even though the breaking of it would not cause any harm, on the basis that what if everybody did that, things would fall apart. And that's, forget the actual rule, that's not important, you may disagree with it. The point is, it was something she taught me, that lived with me, lives with me now, and, I've ne- and I'll even remember the piece of litter in my hand, because of the bond between a son and his mum, and the way they modelled that, both mum and dad, with integrity. Raising, rearing, teaching, training, modeling, living it. It's a massive job. It's a huge job. And it brings mothers into a place of conflict. I've read two stories this very week relating back to the riots last um, August. Was it really only then? It seems like years ago, doesn't it? And lots of stories of a, a survey that was done, I think, by The Guardian which is why it explains my bad typing, actually. Um, it must be them. Um, when a Guardian poll commissioned found that 86% of the public cited poor parenting as the main cause. And 40% of those who rioted actually said the same thing. 40. The article said they thought that was really low. I think that's amazing. Nearly half said that it's because I didn't listen to my mum. And fantastic quotes um, which are written in street language, which, which I can't really read out. But um, one of them says, look, my mum's advice is always right. Why didn't I take it? People reflecting back on what they did and saying, actually, I've learnt this the hard way. And then another, two other pictures emerged as well. One mother, in the wake of finding out what her son had done, grabbed him despite her physical you know, disadvantages in that regard, and marched him to a police station. Another one, who came to court this week, is being prosecuted for perverting the course of justice for protecting him from the law. 
and you know, telling lies to protect. Which would you do? I'm not judging either one. Which would you do? That's the dilemma of a mum, isn't it? Which is the right way to do it? I'm not judging either one of those actions. Just saying that is the, that is the context of being a mum. What I want you to do is get behind these parenting initiatives. Mark referred to, to this, this uh, parenting initiative he was launching in Aberdeen yesterday. Pray for them. Even if you can't do anything else, pray for them. Because the skill of bringing this God attribute to bringing up our children is immense. It's not just natural. A lot of it is, but it's, there's a lot of skill involved and a lot of social pressures that make it very, very hard. Finally, we've done bearing, rearing, child departure, loss. There's a, there's a psychologist called Eric Fromm, or there was, I think he's dead now. He's a kind of lesser-known rival of Freud. Um, people who study psychology will know him. And he says this, the mother-child relationship is paradoxical and in a sense tragic. It requires the most intense love on the mother's side. Yet this very love must help the child grow away from the mother and to become fully independent. Mothers, you know, their job is to create not just rootedness in home, but the ability in a child to put down roots somewhere else and make a new home. Fathers think, thank goodness for that. Mothers ache when it happens. And we need to remember that. And think about how God feels too. What he's trying to do in us. He's trying to foster um, maturity. Not independence from him, but the ability to operate in other places. Where we take him with us, but we go out as well. Jesus said in Luke 13, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones to those who sent it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you are not willing. Jesus had to let them go. Let them be who they were. I could, of course, go on and on and tell you stories about being a son and, and, and what you know, motherhood has, has meant to me. Um, we, we would very rapidly run out of time. Of course, um, when I look at, think of my, my mum, she's had to go into a post-mother stage of mothering an adult with children of his own and letting me go and not ringing me up every day and checking on what I'm doing. And take on the role of grandmothering as well. This job never ends, does it? You don't get a day off and you never retire. I'm not sure I really want it. But what a job. All the time bearing pain and worry, but also all that, that incredible unique love that is poured out through the idea of mums. Let me conclude and then we'll share and communion together. Mothers reflect something of God. They reflect it uniquely. Fathers reflect other aspects, but mothers reflect something uniquely of God. Mothering is something we can all appreciate, buy into, and even participate in, particularly by celebrating it and praying for it. 
And mothering teaches us much about God and his relationship with us. Shall we pray? And then we'll share communion together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift that you've given us and planted into our hearts, our need for, our love for, our cherishing of mums and for everything that you plant through your spirit into the heart of a woman to raise and love a child. Help us to carry that through, not just today and not just tomorrow, but for the rest of our lives. Amen.